The first premium live event with Triple H's head is creative is in the books. How did he do? How was the show? We'll tell you next on the Squared Circle Cycle Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. The first match on this show was Bianca Belair defending her Raw Women's Championship against Becky Lynch. A rematch from what happened at WrestleMania where Becky Lynch lost to Bianca to get that title. I thought this match may have not been as good as the WrestleMania match, but still very good nonetheless. Basically, the story being told here or what was happening in this match, Becky Lynch was working on the arm of Bianca Belair to set up for the disarmor finisher that Becky Lynch has. And it was pretty much worked on for the majority of this match. I liked the pace of this match. I think it was pretty stiff in this match. There was a few botches in the early on stages of this match, but as the match progressed, there were some very good spots, some very good storytelling here, especially one part of this match where Bianca Belair hits the KOD on the outside while the ref is counting them out. Bianca has a choice, either take the count out win or try to drag Becky into the ring. But because she can't do it because of her arm being injured, thanks to uh, Becky working on it so much, she chooses to just take the win, but Becky still gets in for the save nonetheless. The, the closing spot in this match, we had a Spanish fly from the top rope from Bianca Belair onto Becky Lynch hitting the KOD, and that was the finish, one, two, three. Again, I thought this was a very good opening match. I think it set the tone for the rest of the show, and I think their WrestleMania match was still better, but this was a great follow-up to that first match at WrestleMania. But it didn't stop there because after the match, we got Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch staring down at each other, but Becky Lynch sticks out her hand to handshake. They end up hugging. Becky Lynch walks out, heads to what you think is towards the back. But hold on a second. The music starts. Bailey has returned from injury. The first time we've seen her on WWE television in over a year. Remember, Bailey was supposed to face Bianca Belair for the SmackDown Women's Championship last year at Money in the Bank before Bailey hurt her knee. So I'm sure that's where this is going and revisiting that storyline. But she did not come alone. We have the return of Dakota Kai in WWE. Now, if you remember a few months ago, she was released from WWE. And a lot of people were upset at this, saying that there was a lot of potential for Dakota Kai and the main roster. She was just a great character as a heel, a good character as a babyface, great in-ring worker. And even Bailey herself tweeted out that whoever signed her, you know, she was going to be jealous of because she wanted to work with her in the ring with her, alongside her, and here it is now, you know, a few months later, she's going to be working aside her in this new faction. But again, they don't come alone because called up from the main ro- or from NXT to the main roster is Io Shirai now going by the name Io Sky. I know some people were upset about this. And it's not the, the worst name I've seen with some of these name changes going from NXT to WWE's main roster. I understand the reasoning behind it. Basically, it's so that WWE could trademark the name and use their talents to make money. Obviously, they're going to make money in return if they're selling merchandise, whatever. They get a kickback of that. But at the same time, when they leave WWE, which everybody does, whether they choose to or they're forced to, they get to keep that name that they made outside of the main roster, in this case, Io Shirai. So... It's a win-win. Personally, I wish they would just kind of keep their name where it is in NXT and then just move it on over to the main roster. But 
you know, Io Shirai, who's working out of WWE with that name. And, you know, they just want to protect themselves and, you know, and in the same case, Io Shirai gets to protect her name of Io Shirai as well. So both of them protect themselves in a way. I understand the frustration and I don't like when they change names onto the main roster, but understand the situation. Nonetheless, the three come into the ring, staring down Becky, uh, Bianca Belair, but then Becky Lynch comes in and supports Bianca Belair in this situation, and that leads uh, Bailey, Io Shirai, and Dakota Kai to retreat. And it looks like what we have here is Becky Lynch turning face, which I think a lot of people would prefer her as a baby face. We got the call-up of Io Shirai and the return of Dakota Kai. So I think this really made a statement that, you know what, Triple H is head of creative and we're going to do some things. We're going to right some wrongs here. And obviously we see EO Shirai, EO Sky on the main roster, Dakota Kai getting signed, and even Corey Graves pointing it out in commentary. I didn't even think she was under contract, but guess what? She's got merch on the merch store now, wweshop.com. So it seems like it's official. Dakota Kai back with WWE. So it may not be the last one that was released in the last couple of years that comes back or those that let their contracts expire, come back. So we'll see how it goes in the next few months, but heading on to the next match here. One of the celebrity matches on the night, Logan Paul versus the Miz. I think anybody who had questions about Logan Paul and his in-ring ability, some of those were answered at WrestleMania, but because it was a tag match, how can he do in a one-on-one -on -one situation? And he was one of the highlights of this show. I mean, Talk about the frog splash through the table. He had a couple other high-risk moves. He sold the hell out of anything for the Miz. He was a great seller in the ring. You could tell, obviously, he needs to work on the endurance part a little bit. You could tell he was a little bit winded. You could tell he was sweating profusely, which you don't usually see from experienced wrestlers. But credit to the Miz, too, who made him look like a million bucks. I know there's a lot of people out there that are not Miz fans, but one thing you have to admit with the Miz is he is very selfless and he will put over that baby face like a heel is supposed to not necessarily put him over like have to win but make them shine and make them look good and we've seen that with bad bunny we see it here with logan paul and if you look at his career he's always made baby faces look good that's what that's the the value of the miz He's not going to be a guy that gives you five star matches that Meltzer's going to be talking about from years and years and years to come but he's going to be a guy that just simply makes guys look good. A good hand, if you will. But he's very good at what he does. So, And of course, part of this match, this was a very interesting spot in this situation here where Champa interferes with the match. Now, the first time he does it, the referee doesn't see it. But the second time he does it, the ref does, and ejects him. However... The first, this, I think this is the first time I've ever seen it. I don't know if it's the first time it's ever been done in wrestling. I doubt it has. And I'm sure someone in the comment section could tell me another time this has happened. But Champo refuses to leave ringside and actually grabs a chair and sits there. But then AJ Styles comes out and, you know, chases him out of the arena, which is good because AJ Styles, who is not on the card, part of this storyline, which kind of started off with The Miz and his. No small balls, big balls, whatever. Not the, you know, it's not the greatest storyline, but still he gets on the show and AJ and the Miz is probably going to be where that leads to uh, for the next pay-per-view clash of the castle or further, even further down. But 
I mean, this was this was a very good match, probably better than anyone expected it to be. And obviously, Logan Paul gets the win with the skull crushing finale, which this was a huge thing that happened in the Attitude Era a lot, where a lot of people were winning matches through other people's finishers or using the other person's finisher a lot. But honestly, this is the first time in a while where I've seen someone use the opponent's finisher to beat the opponent. I can't really remember the last time I actually saw that. And I'm sure, again, people in the comment section could tell me, you know, when that happened last or tell me the last time you saw it. But to me, that's something I haven't seen in a while, which is good. If if you do it sparingly, like this has. Next up for the United States Championship, Bobby Lashley and Mr. Money in the Bank Theory. This won't be the last time we see Theory on the night, but Bobby Lashley, really before the match even starts, gets attacked by Theory with the Money in the Bank briefcase and, you know, sells the, the injuries or whatnot. But really, this is the only typical type of offense that Theory gets in this entire match. I mean, Lashley just out moves him with every little thing, including the finish where Theory, where he got a little bit of momentum trying to get going here, goes to the outside, tries to do that move where you dive through the rope, spin and jump and try to do a DDT or whatever. Lashley catches him, presses him over his head, drops him, puts him in the hurt lock, tap. That is it. This was a short and sweet match that it needed to be. Lashley still needs to be a dominating force, which he has been Basically, since the pandemic, there really hasn't been many signs of him showing weakness, and he's done it very well, and he's super over with the crowd. I even texted Ralph when, you know, my brother Ralph, who's in Nashville at the show, I'm telling him, it's like, man, the crowd is hot tonight, and it was because of stuff like this. The crowd went nuts for Lashley tapping out Theory, and it seems like McIntyre might be the guy dethrone Roman but Lashley could be a guy too you know Lashley could get back into that WWE Universal Championship title picture and I think a lot of fans would be behind that I think he's definitely deserved it and shown that he can be one of if not the top guy in the company right now maybe he needs to work on the promo part a little bit but he's come a long long way in that regard as well next up we have tag team action no disqualification match between the Mysterios, Ray and Dominic against the Judgment Day. If I were to tell you, just watch before, you know, if I didn't tell you that this was a no disqualification match and you watch this match, you probably would not think it was a no DQ match because there was very little done in this match to make you believe it's a no DQ match. It was really worked like a typical tag team match with the exception of Rhea Ripley interfering a little bit. There was a spot, a few spots with chairs, but then other than that, there was not much to say like, oh, this is a no disqualification match until the finish. So it looked like Finn Balor was going to hit, I believe it was Ray Mysterio with a chair before the lights go out. And then there, you just see these stairs just, you know, light on fire and this music hit. It kind of had like a remix of the brood and, you know, the metal ling is like, it was a very interesting remix song, obviously songs that Edge has used in the past. And he comes up like he's, you know, back in the brood again, has a whole new look, new lighting set up. It looked totally cool. The only thing is, I think this, the whole stairs where there's no stage is a little cheesy, 
but understanding they try to they, they're trying to recreate the brood entrance so a lot of people are going to love that i liked it i just think i mean the camera angles made it look better than it really looked i just felt it was a little cheesy nonetheless he comes out he spares damian priest he spares finn balor they get the you know six one nine on both of them one two three the mysterios win the judgment day retreat as edge stares them down so we'll see how this story progresses but in the prediction show my brother ralph said that you know he thinks the judgment day are dead and there's not much recovery from this ever since edge you know was kicked out of the judgment day i don't think i mean after this it's kind of hard to bounce back from this but i'll be interested to see how they you know let this story go with the judgment day but it doesn't look good for them especially now that they already got their comeuppance from edge attacking them a couple months ago up next is the other celebrity match on the night happy corbin versus pat mcafee as happy corbin gets out to the ring um the there's a choir up on stage or by the the led screen that are singing bum ass corbin bum ass corbin and even happy corbin's like are you kidding me a choir is now singing this now i'll admit it didn't sound like it uh in nashville that the crowd was not singing along with the choir they kind of were just like okay whatever but i i found it a little amusing to get the choir involved in this and then they start singing pat mcafee's new theme song which i kind of wish they could stick with seven nation army but again gotta buy the rights to have that so i understand why it's not and they stick with the new version of this song and not it's not the greatest song I think they could have done better with Pat McAfee's entrance music, but nonetheless, get to the match itself. So Michael Cole, who is pro McAfee, is on commentary with Corey Graves, who is pro Corbin. And I thought the commentary on this match was very, very good because you have Michael Cole rooting for McAfee and you have Graves rooting for Corbin. And there was just some great, great, you know, back and forth between those two as this match is going on. And again, Corbin's another guy that makes everyone that he wrestles with look good, similar to The Miz, and people just don't like him. And I think he's an underrated heel in his own right, just like The Miz. And again, he's a guy that you're not going to get five-star matches out of, and Dave Meltzer's going to talk about from years and years to years to come. But he's a guy that knows how to get heat from the crowd and at the same time knows how to get baby faces looking good, whether it's in winning fashions or losing fashions. So... Again, that that's what's missing in today's wrestling. Heels like The Miz and Corbin. There there are still some out there, but those two right there just know how to make baby faces look good. They really do. And McAfee, you know, gets his comeuppance after what happened on SmackDown where Corbin kicked him in the balls. Now McAfee kicked Corbin in the balls, led to a very unique sunset flip for the pin, one, two, three, and McAfee wins this. Again, this was another really good match on the night. I I mean, McAfee looks good. Logan Paul looks good. And so far, the celebrities are shutting up any of those cynical fans that think that these celebrities are taking spots from pro wrestling, the you know, longtime pro wrestlers, because they're putting in the work and putting out good matches and, you know, doing great jobs carrying the storylines on television. So, I mean, yes. It's part-time. I get that part of the argument. But in-ring-wise, I mean, they're, they're, look, they're looking at least just as good as those that could be on television each and every week. 
Next up, the Undisputed Tag Team Championship match, the Usos against the Street Profits with Jeff Jarrett as special guest referee. And it was laid on thick. The storyline here is that Jeff Jarrett is going to do this right down the middle. So he's trying to count, you know, guy in the corner, count to five. It was Jay Uso first that he pulls out and says, no, at five, you're breaking. Then Angelo Dawkins does the same thing, goes to five. Jarrett pulls him out. And there was a lot of this, too, where you see Jeff Jarrett actually enforcing rules. He wasn't entirely perfect. I'll admit that because there were times where, you know, he might have saw, you know, a couple guys in the ring and not enforcing it. Or, you know, you look like he wasn't counting certain times. But for the most part, he did a decent job for someone who is not known to be a pro wrestling referee. So... I'll give him a B if I had to grade his refereeing skills. I'd say a B for that regard. However, the finish was, I thought, a little anticlimactic here. I mean, there was a spot in this match where Ford hit the front, the splash and got a near fall, like a 2 and .99, and they sold the hell out of the near, the near fall, the false finish, and I thought that should have been the finish. That should have put the Street Profits over, but the Usos win this one, and how it happens is Montez Ford goes out to the ring, they or gets out of the ring, he gets knocked out, and they throw him over the barricade. Dawkins also gets kicked. They throw him into the ring as Jeff Jarrett's staring at, you know, not counting out both Usos, because one of them has to be the illegal man. They hit the 1D, 1, 2, 3, and the Usos retain. Personally, I think the wrong team won. I think this match was good. Not as good as what we saw at Money in the Bank, but still good nonetheless. I just think the wrong team won. So, uh, you know, it was not the match of the year contender that we got last last month. This was a, a decent match. Maybe one that could have been a main event of a SmackDown. Not a semi-main or almost semi-main for SummerSlam. But that's just me. It's still a good match nonetheless. Next up, the SmackDown Women's Championship, Ronda Rousey versus the SmackDown Women's Champion, Liv Morgan. This match was all about Ronda Rousey trying to get Liv Morgan to tap out. Basically, I, I don't know the, the, the duration of the match, but I would say, let's say, let's round up 10 minutes. I don't even think it was 10 minutes, but the entire 10 minutes was basically Ronda putting Liv in an armbar and Liv Morgan breaking out of the armbar with... You know, rope break after rope break after rope break, refusing to quit, refusing to quit. But Ronda Rousey gets into that one arm bar where she puts too much force and actually gets her shoulders laying on the mat. The ref counts one, two, three. However, before he gets to three, Lib Morgan does tap. The ref doesn't see it. Therefore, Lib Morgan wins the match by pinfall and retains the SmackDown Women's Championship. Ronda Rousey gets upset here, starts you know, arguing with the referee, you missed it. Obviously, Corey Graves point this out in commentary. Michael Cole didn't see it. They go to the replay, and yes, it turns out that was what happened. And it looks like this storyline is going to continue. But now we have a definitive face and heel dynamic. Liv Morgan's going to be the baby face. Ronda Rousey's going to be the heel. And I think this is another good move because Ronda Rousey, I think a lot of people would prefer her as a heel and could probably work better as a heel. And the last couple of weeks, you kind of were seeing it hinted on SmackDown with some of her promos. But I think now this def 
definitively made her a heel because after you know that she does go after Liv Morgan again and puts her in yet another arm bar and that's you know we leave Liv Morgan out there in the middle of the ring with her arm injured but this match if, if I had to pick a worse match of the night it would probably be either this one or the Mysterios versus Judgment Day no DQ tag team match however they were not bad matches at all but we get to the main event and a lot of people were worried or, or skeptical that this match would deliver because of what happened at WrestleMania. And I think part of that was just because they jinxed themselves by calling it the biggest WrestleMania match of all time. It's like, yep, you, you set yourself up to fail and it, boy, did it fail. However, this match, I think if Vince McMahon was trying to find a way to get these two to have a match that anybody could be like, that's what he was looking for this entire time. Since WrestleMania 31, he got it. And now we could finally put this feud to rest and never see Brock versus Roman again. Last man standing match for the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship. Roman Reigns comes out first, which is a little odd. I don't like when the champion comes out first. But Brock Lesnar comes out second. And he comes out with a freaking tractor. A tractor comes out there, climbs onto the tractor. And before the ring announcer can even introduce him, he grabs the mic. He says, shut up. And he introduces himself. Then the ring announcer announces Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman doesn't get to introduce him. You actually could see like a disappointment to him. Like I'm supposed to introduce Roman Reigns. What the hell? But the match goes on. It was stiff. It was physical. They're throwing them through tables. They're throwing them through uh, over barricades into the metal, you know, scaffolding to hold up the canopy over the ring. They, it was such, I, this was, I think what WWE, what Vince McMahon was looking for from these two in eight years, this is what he was looking for with these two. And they absolutely delivered. And what was the icing of the cake was brought, was Michael Cole on commentary. When Brock Lesnar just refused to get up or refused to stay down, I should say, refused to stay down, refused to stay down, got hit by the belt, came up, got hit with another belt, came up. You know, Theory tried to cash in here <laughs> and, you know, he attacks Roman Reigns. And before he can give the briefcase to the referee, Brock Lesnar comes out of nowhere. He fives him. So he's out now. He's gone and then gets beaten up with the briefcase. And then we got that final sequence there, which was very, very good. Then you finally have Roman knock him out one last time and bury him with everything, any piece of equipment he can. And that finally does it there. But that wasn't even the spot that everyone's talking about. The spot that everyone's talking about is right before that whole sequence. Brock Lesnar goes onto his tractor with Roman Reigns in the ring and lifts the ring with the tractor and spills Roman Reigns out. Like that was incredible. That's just, I was like, oh, like it was awesome. It, this match was really, really good. I think if this is literally the last time we see these two, which they were marketing it as, and it should be, this is a high note that they were looking for. We don't need to see Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar anymore. Roman Reigns won, you know, by 
as I said, he got he buried Brock Lesnar over everything. And I heard, you know, I saw the clip afterwards where Brock Lesnar actually climbed into the ring after the match. After you know, cameras are off, the show's over. So he climbs into the ring. So I wouldn't mind Brock coming back and staying on TV, but him and Roman's gotta no more. No more. And I'm totally fine with it. Drew McIntyre could win at Clash of the Castle. Then you have Theory cash in. Then you have Riddle beat Theory. Seth beat Riddle when that match gets rescheduled. Seth carries it over to WrestleMania after Cody wins the Royal Rumble and Cody wins the title from Seth Rollins. And I see that happening now more than ever with Triple H under creative. And I think this SummerSlam was a very good show. There wasn't a bad match on the card. I think most of the matches were entertaining. We had the surprise of Dakota Kai and Io Shirai here. The main event delivered. And the commentary was really good. Was really good. Michael, you could tell, especially with Michael Cole, that there was not someone screaming in his ear. He felt more natural. He felt, I mean... But again, we're talking about the, the call with Brock Lesnar. Like, he's still getting up. Are you kidding me? He's actually telling the ref to count faster for the sake of Brock Lesnar. You actually could see emo- hear emotion w- through him. It was great. I hope this continues. And I think it will continue. I think it's still subtle, but the subtlety is noticeable that there are some changes with Triple H under the helm. Let me know what you guys thought of SummerSlam in the comments below or by tweeting us at SCPB Podcast. Don't forget to share this all over social media, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. <laughs>